This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 420, recorded on October 24th, 2019. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. Mike, getting a little chilly. Is it kind of nice to a little frost on the ground? I enjoy it. We're going to the Husker game this weekend, and I kind of like that perfect, you know, wear a coat, and it kind of gets a little cold. That's my perfect Husker kind of game day. I enjoy it. It's kind of nice. Not like maybe fall in Germany. Yos is joining us from next cloud. Yos, what do you think of, I lived in Germany. It gets a little chilly. Do you like fall in Germany? Is it pretty beautiful? Uh, well, it does look good. Like we have a nice view from our apartment looking out over, well, lots of trees and it's all getting yellow. And I like the view, but when you then have to go outside and it's slippery <laughs> of the leaves and cold and wet and, you know, the dog wants to go back inside. And so do I. That's right. That's right. Berlin, I can't, I can't imagine a beautiful or more beautiful time than fall, German beer, Berlin. Christmas is coming. It's got to be great, right? Mm, actually, I would say Berlin is more of a summer and spring city. Okay. It's, it's yeah. um, you know, what you say, I think that's more Munich, you know, southern Germany. Mm. It's a better time, I think, for uh, for fall. You're, you're originally from the Netherlands. Uh, any Is Christmas pretty special in the Netherlands? Did, did they, is, that a, is that a good time to be there, wintertime? It is, but... It's the Germans, of course, who came up with the idea of a Christmas market and everything around it. So <laughs> I would did. still stick with Germany. All right. And the well, are copying it too, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, I, it's a magical time and we've got great seasons here in Nebraska. Of course, we post a show with world-class show notes and there'll be a few of them out there. Uh, here at the very end of the show, we're going to do a quick product review. And so some the, all the show notes will be available at uh, theaverageguy.tv slash HGG420 will get you there as well. Don't forget, you can join us live every week on our mobile app, homegadgetgeeks.com. We'll get you there. Android, iPhone, it's all available for you. It's free. Just download it. We want to thank our Patreon subscribers who helped me pay for that. And Spreaker, who does just a bang-up job of putting that mobile app together, and it's super easy. Don't forget, you can join us in the two groups, Facebook at theaverageguy.tv slash Facebook, on Discord, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. We don't make that too difficult to find. And so we want to have you join us as, as well. Well, you've heard from them already. And Yos is joining us from NextCloud. Yos, I can't pronounce your last name, so you're going to have to do that for me. But welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Hey, guys. I'm really happy to be here. And it is Portfleet, and please don't bother with it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate the pass. I, I do appreciate that. You told me right up on, in the pre-show when we were doing that, um, that you're like, uh, you should probably not try and pronounce it. So so I appreciate you doing that. Give us, as we get started, give us a little bit of your role and position at NextCloud, how long you've been there, some of those kinds of things, just so we can get to know you a little bit. Well, I was there at the beginning, so June uh, 2016. I'm one of the co-founders and head of marketing today because, you know, I was the, well, the one who was willing to write blog posts when we started the company. <laughs> and yeah, that's essentially what I still do. I have a team now, of course, of people who help me, well, write blogs and everything else that uh, yeah. falls on the marketing. The, well, the NextCloud team has grown quite a bit. I was on the website today getting your information, and I just kept going through some kind of pages and pages and pages of folks. How many are there now, and are you guys kind of in a growth mode? 
Yeah, I think it's about 40-ish. Actually, this year we didn't grow our team that much. We have a bunch of uh, positions open, trying to hire, especially sales, also marketing person, actually, hopefully interviewing next week. Uh, but sales is hard. Engineers is, is much easier simply because we generally hire people from the community, you know, people who contribute. It's easy to hire people like that because you already know them. You've seen their faces at, at you know, meetups that we uh, organize a lot. And because everybody works from home, essentially, in our company, it's very easy for new people to, to join. It's an extension of the volunteer work they do. Obviously, things change a bit. And when you get a paycheck, somebody can tell you what to do. So you do have to, you know, provide support for our customers. But often the things that people worked on that they did as a volunteer get extended into their, their employment. And that's, of course, a model that makes it easy for us to get new people on board. And it makes it, I know, it creates a nice community f uh, feel in the company as well. Uh, next cloud kind of comes from, and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, kind of lives and comes out of an open source community, right? That's that's very a so. right. That's that's a premise. That's that's an idea that's held very dear, very close to it. What, today, you know, a lot of times when we do our podcast, we kind of get the history of things, and then we work our way up to today. I actually kind of want to start with today. Tell me a little bit, like, what's the best? What's your pitch for for next cloud today? Both when we think of enterprise. And when we think of, and, and, and we're gonna we're gonna use kind of Mike as an example, to to be for that for the average consumer. So let's start with enterprise. When you're you're talking about your very best pitch for some of your spiel on why next cloud, why why would I want to use you guys for for my storage? So, I guess the strongest pitch is as as a company, you want to stay in control of your data. Uh, it can be floating around all around in the cloud. And honestly, one of our favorite customers is one of these people who say, look, you know, um, we have a lot of data, people are working on it, but they're sending it around by email or they have to work on a Windows network drive, which means it's not available when they're home or on their mobile phone. Yeah, we want the benefits of all these tools like Dropbox and Google Drive and you name it, uh, the benefits of working together with people in the cloud but we don't want to go to the cloud because we don't want to lose control over our data, hand it over to another company. Uh, I know contracts and all that stuff, but still you lose uh, quite a degree of control. You have a degree of vendor lock-in that can be pretty severe with some vendors. We want to stay in control. Well, that's essentially the premise of Nextcloud. This is what we offer. We give you all the benefits of online collaboration as a team, uh, mobile clients, sync clients, the whole thing in a very easy to use interface that's definitely like consumer class which is also something uh, that's actually pretty rare in the industry because well we all know how tools like sharepoint can be less than optimal for normal human beings to work with <laughs> i'm being nice i'm in a good you, mood no, you yeah. are. it was very diplomatic i know, I, know. I thought Every, so. everybody uses it nobody likes it that's the interesting thing about i didn't it. want to say that but thank no, you. we will but we will yeah, yeah. fair enough uh, so for, for us, it's really important to be easy to use. Yeah, I mean, our, our customers, they say, look, you know, um, sometimes they have, for example, a document management system. Now, is Nextcloud a document management system? Uh, it can do a lot of the pieces. You have workflow tools, and yes, we have tags and search and this stuff. It's not primary what we do. However, 
we have quite some customers who have a document management system. And then it turns out that only the people in finance are willing to use it because, you know, they can make it do their workflow. Everybody else is like, yeah, this is too much work. Huh? This is not easy to use. It doesn't do exactly what they want. And then they introduce Nextcloud. And then most people go to Nextcloud and maybe someday the finance department too. And it's, so for a company, it is about productivity, ease of use, but staying in control of your data. That's the gist of it. You know, um, you're in Berlin, and we know, you know, Germany is a, was a big driver behind GDPR and has been on the forefront of privacy. Does that yes. does that bleed through? Is that why NextCloud is what it is? And does that idea of privacy and it's your own yes. stuff, and does that bleed through? Talk about how that influences. Well, what now you go to history because this is what, what NextCloud was initially started with i mean under an older name etc we can go back as far as you like in that regard but the key was to give people individuals control over the data privacy and our company has no privacy i mean that's that's a concept for human beings not for corporations which i still believe aren't humans at least not in europe and um so the idea was to give private people a way to 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 control the data to protect their data and keep it from being well exploited left and right and we we all know i guess these days with all the leaks and all the uh bad news that's coming out these days that even the biggest companies just fail to protect data of people and uh, even those who don't fail to protect it they fail to handle it responsibly uh, i mean i think the biggest um I don't know. I think one of the nastiest examples still is the action that Facebook did when, you know, you gave, they asked for your phone number for two-factor authentication and then used it to get, you know, uh, advertisement to you as well as to your family and friends and everybody else. I mean, that kind of stuff is just irresponsible, honestly, it gives the whole tech industry a bad name. And there's, there's plenty Facebook does right, I suppose, but this kind of stuff is just nasty. And if, for individuals, that's not how the internet was supposed to be, right? We were all supposed to be in control of our own data. And I know you guys are very much about home servers and staying in control of your data. So I think a lot of your listeners must kind of feel the pain when I say the internet isn't what it used to be. It's all getting centralized. It all depends on four, five, six big tech companies that host and control 70, 80% of the traffic these days. And... You know, when Tim started this idea, it was about being able to serve your own page. Now, I get that not everybody can run their own server. Yeah, but there's a middle ground between the incredible degree of centralization that we have today on an infrastructure that was designed to be decentralized and everybody running their own website. Again, I know that's not realistic, but even just having your data at a local provider in the city, yeah, Berlin is big enough to actually have a Berlin provider that targets Berliners. And that's cool, I think. And, and that, that means you can go there, you can talk to the people, look them in the eye, decide if you trust them or not, drink a beer with them if you, want, if you don't trust it yet. Uh, figure out what kind of people are, have access to your data because it's just the reality that when somebody stores your data, they have access to it. I mean, I, I, I can't feed the people who claim to offer services that are end-to-end -end encrypted, but access through a browser, which usually really annoys the hell out of me because when somebody sends code to your browser to be executed and to locally encrypt something, 
obviously that code could also just accidentally send that encryption key maybe to another server because maybe even if they're not evil, there might just be a court order that forces them to do that. So the idea of being able to encrypt stuff in your browser, it's just just kind of nonsense. I mean, sure, it's a little harder to get it, but it doesn't fundamentally change the fact that you need to trust the people who host your data. And that's a lot easier to do with people you can go to, talk to, sit down with, visit, than with people that are part of some huge corporation that regularly gets in the news for all kinds of stupid shit that they did. <laughs> and that you know is under pressure of shareholders to make more money every couple of months. I mean, Google just added pricing to Gmail. Why did they do that? Were they about to go bankrupt and that they need to squeeze? Not exactly. They just have to show growth every year. And there's this pressure on every public company. And that means there's a huge incentive for them at some point to do something that you might not like. And well, there you go, control. Yeah, and do you, do you feel like um, you know GDPR and there's some new regulations coming in California that will probably be followed yes. across the United States, right? Do you yes. think that is going to go far enough or do you think we're going to need to even go even farther to get kind of back to an idea where you there is more control over it? That's a good question. Um, in, in Europe right now, the term digital sovereignty is really hot. And I have already seen communication purportedly coming from industry advocacy organizations, but my feeling was rather a mouthpiece of uh, Microsoft. And the way they presented the subject of digital sovereignty and, and, and what it is about, of course, is Europe and a lot of countries in Europe and people in Europe being worried that all their data goes to the US. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, even in the US, you can say, are we in control of our data or are a couple of companies in uh, Silicon Valley in control of our data? So even there, I think it is a relevant term. And the way this was presented, I thought was rather clever in an evil way. I'm a PR guy, I do PR, I can respect it when people do something really evil, but it's still clever. And this, I think, was an example of that. And the way they presented this, they, they said, look, you know, you can have kind of a, some kind of digital slavery, you know, you're not in control, you, you have your data and it's completely locked in at a vendor and you have no choice. That's, of course, bad. Fair enough. Big red uh, mark next to it. Then you have digital sovereignty. You are in control, you choose where to put your data, but of course you pick the best choice. That would be Microsoft. And then three would be digital autocracy. You are so adamant of about being in control that you blindly pick the choice that is not the best, of course, but that gives you 100% control. And of course that also got the red mark. And I thought that was kind of clever because, well, first of all, it's obviously a false dichotomy, right? Um, I don't believe that it is by definition so that, you know, the solutions of the big companies are better than the small companies. Otherwise, there would never be new companies. Yeah, we've all seen history play out over the years. And, well, I think SharePoint just came up. Let me just leave it at that uh, when it comes to quality of the solution. I mean, what keeps these companies in charge is market power and, well, the fact that they can pull open a can of salespeople 
for a single potential customer of us that's bigger than our entire company five mm-hmm. times over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what keeps companies buying these solutions. Mm-hmm. And well, that's sometimes a bit frustrating. I, I do think that solution that that uh, rules laws like the GDPR help in this regard. They create awareness. At the same time, of course, uh, the big companies are very much aware that there are risks and they will lobby the heck out of it. Uh, I think Facebook is now very worried about um, one of the potential Democrat candidates for presidency. And, well, they might not go as far as to influence the advertisements that get shown on their platform. That would be particularly nasty. And they could. And I think we all know that they could completely sway the elections if they just wanted to, which I think in itself is already scary. But um, they will certainly lobby, which is what every company, of course, can do and does do as much in Europe and any other country in the world. And, well, I think it's it's a bit of a problem that 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 much power is concentrated. And I don't really think the GDPR and these other privacy laws really solve that problem because for that you would need data portability. Mm -hmm. Um, You would also need, I guess, more incentives for people to pick an alternative. And there is, I mean, I'm still use Gmail. Let me be honest and upfront here. Yeah. Why? Honestly, I'm just lazy. It's convenient, right? Exactly. And it's it's, it's not bad, right? Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. decent solu- right. solution. And I'm a, you know, open source, free software, privacy, I could say activist, but let's just say I promote that stuff. Yeah. And yet I haven't moved away from Gmail. Okay, so the problem isn't necessarily as much law as it also is, I think, awareness and and importance given to this. And I think the companies that do offer alternatives can do a better job too. That that includes us, right? We try to make it as easy as humanly possible to sign up to Nextcloud. Um, And I can talk a little bit about that later, what we've done in that area. I think that is also a big part of the solution for this. It needs to be easy. Yeah. No. And and so as we make a shift a little bit, you know, most of our audience, we have a lot of sysadmins. So we've got a lot of folks who can sympathize or know what you're talking about or and are, are managing those either on-prem or off-prem servers, right? So that's an enterprise discussion, but we all control our own data. And, I, and so for the rest of the time, we're really going to spend a bunch of time kind of talking about in the, in our space, the space we control, our home server space, however we decide to do that. Um, in, you know, in this community, we've got a lot of guys and gals who are still running from a terabyte to a hundred terabytes and maybe more, uh, storage at home. Mike, talk a little bit about, cause let's kind of set the stage for where you're at and, and Yoss, we will spend a little time. You can kind of listen and hear where he's at. We can talk a little bit about then the average kind of consumer in our space or one of our listeners. So Mike, why don't you kick it off? Talk a little bit about how you're using it and what you got to set up on. Yeah. So, well, initially for me, when I wanted to switch over the, the big, you know, pain points for me was, uh, our whole family is, um, an Apple family, right? So we're on iPhones. And so we were just naturally using iCloud for a lot of our contacts, our calendars and things like that. And then for documents, we were kind of across the board. Hannah was still, uh, Hannah was actually using a little bit of iCloud just because it kind of, it would just work for her. She didn't really come from anything. I had been using Dropbox previously for kind of a file synchronization, having it everywhere option. So I kind of wanted to unify everything. And then for photos, we were both using 
iPhoto um, to, you know, or sorry, the photo library through iCloud to, to sync everything. And I was like, okay, we can unify this. And I kind of became the same thing, a data control privacy kind of nut. And so, you know, I, I switched to Bitwarden as my password manager because I can self-host it. And, you know, who the odds of them getting to my last pass were, were slim, but it's just that last, I want to host it, right? I want it on myself. I, I trust myself. Uh, Yos was talking about, I want to be able to talk to the guy who controls it. Well, I can have a great, I talk to myself all the time, so it's great. Um, <laughs> I can sit here and chat with myself all day and I trust myself maybe more than I should. Um, so, so those were kind of some of the factors, data control, unifying our whole family on something. And then my wife also needed something that she could use. So she was a, she's becoming a professor. So she's teaching a few classes, but she's still working her full-time job at the hospital. So she needed a way that she could do stuff at home and then go to work and still access it. And so I was like, okay, we, we can figure this out. And NextCloud had been something our community had been talking about for a long time. It actually started with, you know, own cloud way back a long time ago when we first, when I first started with you, Jim, like five years ago, mm -hmm. uh, then it started, then it switched over to NextCloud and we had this conversation. I'm like, okay, I got to look into this. So my setup is I have an Unraid uh, server in my home. Uh, it's got, I think now only, I think it's got like 28 terabytes in it, um, used for a lot of different things. Just 28? That's all you got? Just, well, Dude, you know, it, that doesn't hold up now in our community, Jim. I'm not in the hundreds yet. So. <laughs> So I, I got to do some work to get that, that storage up. But so I have um, Unraid and uh, Unraid, if you don't know, everything pretty much runs through Docker. And so you're using Docker for pretty much everything on there. So that is how I'm running Bitwarden, Plex, uh, and uh, Let's Encrypt um, as my reverse proxy. And then I use NextCloud, obviously. And so I was like, okay, this, this is going to be great. So I found a great tutorial. If you guys are on Unraid and you want to put up put NextCloud on it. Space Invader did a great tutorial on YouTube. So if you go look him up, I think it's uh, Space Invader 1. His tutorial, I mean, it is just flawless. You can get, and he, he covers getting NextCloud installed on Unraid and also getting it set up with your reverse proxy. Um, so that guy is the go-to source. Someone in our community, I think, actually sent his video to me. And that's how I found it. He does. He focuses. He does a lot of Unraid videos, but that one I've actually gone and watched about ten different times. If I need to make a change to something or I can't remember how to set it up, I just go back and watch it. So I'm on run Unraid, running it in Docker. It really couldn't have been easier to set up. I mean, there's a few things that you have to do. The video that he did walks you through it. Just a few minor uh, adjustments to some files, things like that. But once you actually have it up and running, uh, it's it's pretty simple. So once you get it going for the first time, I was really impressed with uh, for the fact of getting users set up. So you know, you you type in. I typed in my wife's name, her email address, hit go. It sent her an email. She signed in. She set it all up, and it, you just kind of are off to the races. And at first, we started out with just the document. I guess storage syncing aspect of it. And I replaced it. I, I, I ran both for a while. So for me, I pulled everything over from Dropbox, copied it there. And I ran both just to, you know, kind of test it out, test the waters for about two months. And I realized I just, I liked it a lot better. The web interface, super easy to use, the sharing aspects of it. And I loved that, you know, then Dropbox, they just, uh, right about the same time, maybe a few months after, they announced this whole three device limit for their free plan. And I had Dropbox Thank installed Thank you, Dropbox, everywhere. yeah. Yeah, right? That, yeah, I'm sure you guys got a lot of business from that. <laughs> that's that's right? a nice uh, incentive for people to finally make that step. Yeah, I talked 100%. about 100%. Because I was I was using the free plan from them, and I could I have paid uh, I think like ten dollars a month, yes, but also then you're still limited on on storage, and I have a twenty eight terabyte server sitting over here. I could be essentially unlimited when it comes to documents and photos, 
And so I'm like, okay, this just makes sense. I'm just going to switch it over. So we switch completely over. Nextcloud offers the, I guess I'll call it the sync application for the average guy. You install the application on, on Mac, on Windows, I think on Linux. I don't run any Linux boxes around here. But you can run it pretty much everywhere. So I have it on my all my Macs. I have it on my iPhone. We have it on our iPad. My wife has it on everything she has. And that essentially is just like if you've ever used Dropbox, same sort of thing. The files stay in sync. Um, they're just everywhere you need them to be. You can selectively set which ones you want to sync and which ones you just want to live on the server, which is great for me because I, st- I love to use Nextcloud for all of my massive video files when I do any sort of YouTube videos and things like that. But I don't necessarily need those to sync across to all my computers and take up storage on the local hard drive. So they're very good about the settings of being selective of what you want to sync across. So we started with that. We started with just the files and and it worked great. My wife's favorite feature is that she's at home. She's on the laptop. She's editing and she saves something. She saves a presentation. Then we're on the drive down to the family farm and she needs to access something. Her boss calls her. She whips out her iPhone. She has it. She emails it. Then she's at work and she pulls up the web browser and she can get to our server. It's not blocked by her IT department. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> they don't like file sharing sites, um, but for some reason, our home IP doesn't get blocked. And so she's able to access it there, get her school documents that she prepared. So for her, I think she's actually in our house, probably the power user of Nextcloud, mainly because at my work, we have, I have to, I'm tied in with their systems, right? And so I use a lot of Microsoft uh, have to, you know, <laughs> I'm, I've got the word in on Nextcloud though. I do. I'm trying to talk the IT department into it. But um, so she is just a power user. She loves that feature. So then step two for us was really figuring out, we had been trying to figure out a good solution for syncing and backing up locally all of our photos. Uh, my whole point was that, okay, iCloud is great, but what happens if we were to die tomorrow? We get in a crash tomorrow uh, and they don't know our passwords to, to iCloud. Um, I have, you know, I, I could put passwords in there and they could probably figure it all out, but I have kind of a, an SOS manual that I keep here that people would know about and it's all here and it's local and it's, it's secured and we've got the key and we know about it. And so I was like, okay, we need a place that we can store our photos and the app on the iPhone for Nextcloud is fantastic for backing up your entire photo library. It just does it in the background flawless. It's always updating. You don't, you never even have to open the app. It's just always doing it. And so we both have both of our phones set up to back up to um, the next cloud box for all of our photos. So that was step two and it works great. And then the great part about that too, is that it's really easy to, from any browser, access all of your photos, right? Before you might have to go to iCloud.com, sign in to, and then maybe an iCloud on the browser is not a fun experience, especially, I don't even know if you can access all your photos in the browser, but it's not fun if you can. But with Nextcloud, it's super simple to just, it's the same web interface and you can see all your photos. So when we're away from home and we don't have our phones and if she's at work and she needs to email something, the, all your photos are right there. I find that actually Nextcloud sometimes syncs it faster than I can even get in there and like share it and like, okay, how do I get this photo over to my computer? Do I email it to myself? Uh, trying to figure out how to get it on my computer. Most of time it's already synced by the time I go in and and do that, which is great. So then step three for us was I had to really decide we had had an experience where um, we were trying to get our contacts and our calendar on a non-Apple device. And it was extremely hard and uh, unwieldy. And we found out that we were really locking ourselves into the Apple ecosystem. And although Apple has gotten a little bit better about being available on Windows and things like that, try getting your contacts on a different, like on an Android or something like that. And it's just, it's messy. So I'm like, you know, 
going forward, I'd love to future-proof ourselves and have a system that is not tied to an ecosystem. So I said, I'm going to get all of our... So I one night, I just sat down, and it was super simple um, on the Mac because the Mac syncs with iCloud. So I had all the contacts there. I literally just exported them, pulled them into NextCloud, and we were off and running. And then I switched, just turned off iCloud contacts on our phones and switched over. NextCloud uses CardDAV and CalDAV, um, so very standard protocols for you know synchronizing your contacts and calendars. And we were up and running with contacts, and then I ended up doing it with calendars as well. So our entire family calendar, we have one shared family calendar that lives on NextCloud. And then we have each have our own personal calendar that we can keep stuff on as well. And it integrates with the iPhone just as well as iCloud ever did. And if I ever need to move over, if I need to pull those from somewhere, if I'm remote, all my contacts calendar is accessible via the web and a great interface. And it's private. And I know where it is. And I host it. And no one's going to get to that data. Um, one thing I do really like, and I'll throw this out there, you can actually do a security check. NextCloud has a tool that you can go plug in your URL for your specific um, server, and it'll run through a check. And uh, Yos, I'd love to know maybe a little bit in the, as we get to talking about here about what that checks for. Um, but I'm proud to say I got an A+. Plus. I've got, it, it's a, as good as I can get. It's up to date. All the security checks out. Uh, but it gives you kind of peace of mind that, okay, this is, you know, if, if this is being used in a commercial setting, I'm, I think I'm pretty safe uh, from a home user perspective that my data is secure okay. on my server. So that's how we use it. We have now replaced everything, so we no longer use Dropbox. iCloud for us is we have we back up our photos twice. We do use iCloud Photo Library, and that's really only because um, we do a lot of iMovie projects, and it just it pulls in pretty nicely. So we we use it, but we also use Nextcloud, so we have it personally as well. And uh, but as far as contacts calendars and all of our files, we are going through NextCloud. And it has been, we talk about Jim um, and Yos, we have this term, it's called the wife approval factor. You know, as a, as a, as a tech guy, sometimes you do something in the home, you, you, oh, I got this fancy new Wi-Fi, or I got this fancy new TV, and it drives them nuts. But we think it's cool, but the usability of it isn't. And NextCloud is the complete opposite of those complicated things. It was 100% wife approval factor from the beginning. And I think she liked the fact it was actually all unified into one system. I know where to go, one place for my contacts, my calendars, my files, my photos, everything is right here. And it's fast. On our local network, it is extremely fast. Obviously, when you're at home, um, that stuff is just, and you don't, you don't have to worry about bandwidth either. If I'm at home and I'm creating video files and I'm throwing it over there, I'm not having to wait for a 500 gig or a you know file to upload to the cloud. It's just there. And uh, it's all local, which is another great feature. So that's my kind of home use case. And I would suggest if you do have Unraid um, to, to just at least give it a shot because it's super simple to install and you can kind of play around with it, see if you like it like I did, run it alongside your current system because I think you'll, you'll really be surprised at, at how well it works. Well, that was a great commercial. The show is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm a fanboy. I was so excited when wow. when we said that, Yo that Yoast, we got NextCloud coming on. I was super pumped because I have just been such a fan of this product and it has never failed me once. The only time it failed me is because I failed myself and my, I crashed my cache drive on my server and all of my apps died. That was nothing. It was not NextCloud. It was me. Um, all of my dockers were blown away. And so that was not fun. I had to go through an old backup. But So it's never failed me. It just works. It just straight up works. Mike, you're on uh, Unraid and yeah. we do have a lot of Windows, you know, you know, so I told you we, we come out of the Windows kind of community. Ken yeah. is asking that question. When will it support or run on Windows? Lots of Windows servers here in the community. Some thoughts on that? Yeah, it it did in the old days. Um, 
you know, before Nextcloud. And it was a bit of a pain to keep running because we, well, do a fair bit of file system stuff. And, well, that that's completely caused all kinds of issues. Yeah? I mean, the, the most simple issue you can probably think of is that on Linux and Mac, a uh, file name in capitals is very different from the same file name, lowercase. Windows won't see the difference. Therefore, boom, if your server doesn't see the, has, it's unable to do that. So we had to essentially maintain a separate file system layer for Windows as we had for Linux. And that caused, well, a lot of work and also a lot of bugs. And that's at some point we said, look, this, this isn't worth it. Um, Linux is, at least in my opinion, but then again, I'm a long time Linux guy, a far better platform for a server anyhow. So, yeah, so, I, I think running it in a VM will do fine. <laughs> so is that, is that, would that be your recommendation for this community? If yeah, yeah, most yeah, familiar I, with Windows of running a Linux box inside a VM to do yeah, it that Docker way? Docker these days is available. I don't know exactly. Okay. Um, what what it would do. I mean, the thing is, of course, as storage, you can definitely use Windows system. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, somehow Windows Network Drive as as storage in in Nextcloud is not a problem, and even as primary storage, a lot of a lot of our customers do that. They just have their their uh, user directory and and their Windows Network Drive just connected to Nextcloud, and every user logs in and gets their home directory and all that stuff. Um, but as the application server itself, um, yeah, it's not supported at the moment. So that's pretty simple. But this yeah, runs no. on a Raspberry Pi, right? I mean, you can literally just grab a Pi and run. Yes. This thing does not need a lot of horsepower. No. I mean, do, do people would, so for example, for me, my Unraid server, uh, you know, it's like a, it's an old, like maybe third or fourth gen i5. Would I notice a big slowdown if I went to a Pi or really for what it's doing? I don't notice it using really any CPU on my box? Uh, a, a few things, each CPU. For example, um, the generation of thumbnails, that kind of stuff will okay. eat some CPU. And there are a couple of other tasks that will keep it busy a bit. And it depends, of course, how intensively you use it. Uh, when you're pumping over files, I mean, that's, of course, not so intensive. Um, when you would use the server-side encryption, I generally don't really recommend that. You can get into that if you like, but that eats quite some CPU power, um, transferring files sometimes, depending on the settings you have in your server, it can eat CPU power because what it would do when you have really big files and you use like the web interface, it would upload in chunks. And then at the end of the process, it has to assemble the chunks, but that's more disk IO even. Um, if you run Collabora Online or only Office, the, the, the online Office solutions, they will eat CPU, especially in the case of Collabora Online because that runs everything I on your server. Yep, and I use that as well. And, oh. and on Unraid, the way Docker works, that's a separate Docker, and then it integrates yes. down into um, Nextcloud, and it, it still yeah. works fantastic. It works, yeah. I mean, I mean, you mentioned a, a X generation i5, so I run uh, my Nextcloud on an i5 750. I think that's the first generation i something in general. Um, I've downclocked it. Uh, it's a quad core and it runs normally at, I don't know, two and a half gigahertz or something. I've downclocked it to a gigahertz. I have no performance issues. And I mean, the modern Raspberry Pi, uh, the new one, which comes with a quad core A72, I think, which runs on like two, one and a half gigahertz, I think. 
I mean, that probably kicks the ass in terms of pure CPU horsepower of my server. Yeah. So, and I mean, I run Collabor Online. I run Nextcloud Talk on it. Yeah, calendar, contacts, mail, we use all of it. And it's fine. So, yeah, you don't need a lot of CPU. You do need enough memory, though. That's also why I think the older Raspberry Pis, yeah, if you still got a Raspberry Pi 3 or 3B lying around, the bottleneck is going to be memory. Because for Nextcloud to be smooth, you need to have the mem caching set up. Yeah, Redis especially. And, um, well, that kind of goes down the drain. If you don't have enough memory, of course, it doesn't work. And that actually is 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 a bit of a performance hit because then without the caching, of course, it has to compute everything and suddenly your CPU use goes up and, you know, you get latency and everything else. So two things you mentioned. Number, well, number one, am I? is there any reason I shouldn't be using NextCloud in Docker on Unraid? Is Docker a decent way to use NextCloud? Any I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think I it's fine. I have the option of spinning up a VM on uh, Unraid instead and doing a Linux VM compared to Docker, but I've never experienced any problems with Docker. I don't like, think it makes a, a difference. Okay. I don't think it makes much of a difference. I mean, personally, look, I, I, I'm OpenSUSE guy. I just run pure OpenSUSE on it, and then I've just installed the tarball, and I manage that myself happily. Um, you know, I like to SSH in and just screw around a bit sometimes. But... Um, yeah, I mean, both the VM and the Docker image, I think, are perfectly fine. And there's also the Snapper, which is also supremely easy to use because that one you really never have to look at because it updates by itself. It's completely, like, I think the Snap is the most zero maintenance you can get. It's also the one that's usually most, uh, I don't want to say outdated, but running behind a bit. Uh, in the pre-show, you mentioned you were on an XLAT 16. I think the Snap is still on 15 or recently moved to 16. So the snap is very conservative, um, which is mostly because the, 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 the people running it, building it, maintaining it, they just really want to make 180,000% sure that yeah. it won't ever break because it's really designed to be zero maintenance. Therefore, it can't break. And they have to make sure that everything never ever will require you to do anything. And that's, of course, a bit of work to, to, to keep that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that they're so careful with that. But I personally, I want to run, you know, release candidates. I always upgrade my private server by the time, sometimes the beta, sometimes release candidates. Um, my colleagues always tell me to back up, which I don't. Uh, I've never had any issues, so hey. So, and then, okay, so we talked about, we talked about the file side. We talked about contacts calendar. There were two other things oh. you mentioned that you run that I'm kind of interested in. Um, the talk feature and then mail. Maybe go into those two oh. and talk about what kind of options those give you. Yeah, so talk is our audio-video chat integration. Uh, it, it's a web RTC-based audio-video calls you can have. Runs completely on your own server. So you have the data and the metadata, which is actually nice. Because WebRTC is always end-to-end -end encrypted, you have that too, thrown in for free in the mix. And it runs in a browser. So with Nextcloud, you can send somebody a public link to a talk room, and they can join a call, and they just need to have well, a webcam or not, just a microphone at least. And there's no accounts, nothing needed. So that's, that's quite nice. And it's just a one-click install. Like, there's no extra Docker images or anything like that. It's just completely in PHP. It's actually historical fact. We rewrote it from Go to PHP so that you can install it with one-click rather than having to run a Docker container. 
Um, it has scalability limits because, well, it's peer-to-peer, -peer, which means if you have a call with five people, you're sending and receiving five streams. Obviously, that's not going to work with 50. At that point, um, there, well, we, we as a company, we resell a solution that is a combination of parts from a partner and parts that we build ourselves in Go because it's not like we have an issue with Go. It's a good language. It's just, you know, every tool has its place. Um, but for home users, I mean, the chat, I mean, you have mobile chat apps. It's really awesome. You can get a workflow where certainly with Nextcloud text, new and 17, you should upgrade. Um, you have like this, this text editor, it's a collaborative text editor. It's markdown based. So it's really simple. But when you look at it, it just has bold and you can insert an image and make a list and all that stuff. You know, just you do um, a star, an asterisk or the star uh, symbol, a space. How does that and compare to Collabra? Pretty similar. Is it, so, is it replacing Collabra? No, no, no. I okay. mean, it's just Markdown. Yeah, they're, they're essentially just text files. So if you make notes from a meeting, it's way better because you don't have the overhead of a complete office suite, which okay. lets you build tables and do all fancy stuff. It's just super thin and light and has like eight buttons on top and not like a toolbar and menus. Um, and then the sidebar, just like with Collabra, in the sidebar you have the chat and you can have a call even in the sidebar. So you're you're having a call with someone and this is actually what I now do. Like I have calls with partners sometimes about marketing and what I do is I create a, a text file. I put in a couple of bullet points for the agenda points and I just share the file with them. And then I tell them, you know, uh, we set a call around four o'clock and I tell them, hey, just ping me in the chat. Yeah, you can add mention me as, as, a, as a guest. Uh, and they add mention me and I get ping on my phone. It's like, oh, they're in, you know, and I can either pick up the call in my phone, I'll start the call, or which is what I usually do, just get on my desktop and, and just join there and talk to them. And then, you know, you have the chat or the call or both. And so and guests can use that too. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be a user that's on your no. server. Anyone, no, no. including the ad mentioning, which is actually really neat. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's awesome. I mean, it's and it's getting better and better integrated. So, for example, when you're in files, uh, you have the share button and you can click it and you type the name of a chat room, hit enter, and you just share it directly in the chat room. So you don't don't just share to people. You can share to a chat now, which is very neat. And of course, within the chat, you can click a plus button and then share a file from your next cloud into the chat as well. Uh, what we're working on, of course, is that you'll be able to turn like this chat room immediately into a collaborative editing session. Ooh. Yeah. But uh, spoiler alert, that's not done yet. That's obviously something we want, right? Uh, so yeah, this this is really, really nicely integrated. What was the other thing? Mail. Mail. Yes. Well, it's a mail client. Enough said. Uh, so it, 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 it doesn't host your mail. Yeah, you, you have to use, I don't know, Dovecot or something as a, an IMAP server and connect it. Um, but it's a mail client, a mail web client, which is reasonably responsive. So it'll work in your mobile browser as well if you don't have an app for that. I uh, Personally, for me, it's just this backup when you're somewhere and, you know, you need to access your mail and you don't have like an app uh, or an application around. And it works fine for that. I mean, I personally am not a person who lives in the browser other than browsing pages, I suppose, but I don't work usually in the browser. Although I must say, actually, Nextcloud text is changing that. I'm very often now making notes in the browser rather than in the text file. 
but I, I am not yet ready to move to email in a browser. Actually, not by long shots. I love my desktop client, and you can take it from my cold dead hands. <laughs> it does look like, um, just as we're talking, you know, we're talking about using Docker. Uh, it does look like you can now use Docker on a Windows desktop uh, to be mm -hmm. able to do that. There's been a lot of, there's been some changes in Windows. I think the Linux subsystem has been a part of that. But um so, but I would think that would be pretty heavy for, for most, like, if you were going to do something like this, might as well, Mike, in our case, might as well go to Unraid first because it's so much lighter. I think Docker management's a little bit easier there. And then well, go to a Pi actually might be the easiest if you're just like, I don't know yeah, if we asked Yoast, what's like for a home user, what's the easiest intro to Nextcloud? Easiest way to kind of get in. Is it a, yeah. is it a Raspberry Pi? Well, so if you want to host yourself, yeah, that's actually a good question um, because I I can very well imagine that actually if you're a Windows system administrator, that getting a Docker image running on your system might actually be the easiest way. If you're a Linux person, snap install Nextcloud, it doesn't really get any easier. So if you have no server, then I do imagine a Raspberry Pi is a pretty neat way because the only things you need to do is you need to get a Pi and, you know, connect it to a hard drive and power and everything, download um, one of the Nextcloud Pi. So there's a Nextcloud Pi project which builds essentially images that you put on SD card, plug in your Pi, and you're up and running. Right? It, it'll auto-configure itself. And of course, then you need to connect to it and set up a user account and et cetera. But it's essentially pretty much self-managed from what I can, uh, from what I remember from playing with it. So that that is a pretty neat way of doing it. But yeah, it, it depends, right? I mean, running a server is the work. It's not Nextcloud. That's a hard part of running a server. It's the, you know, SSL connection, and opening the ports in your firewall and getting a domain name. That's going to be the hard part in any case, whether you go for a Pi or use your Windows system or your Linux system. The hard part isn't going to be Nextcloud. It's just a sad truth. We can only make it so easy. Yeah. True. A couple comments coming in on chat, I think. Uh, Justin had said, yeah, you can, but limited use cases. Still not 100% caught up on uh, BSD Linux. So that's um, about the Docker uh, on Windows yeah, image. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the big question is, is there anyone here who has tried Docker on Windows with Nextcloud? Yeah, because, right. I mean, limited use case. The question is, does it cover everything Nextcloud needs from right. Docker? If it does, well, it doesn't matter. It can't do something else. If it can do Nextcloud, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. I just well, don't know. I really don't. Honestly, it's an interesting question. I'd love to hear it. If somebody here knows... I'd love to hear it. Yeah, send me if you're doing that. Send me or you want to try it. Send me an email, Jim at theaverageguy.tv, and we'd love to kind of interact with you on that. Um, um, Justin also says uh, running Docker on Synology, and that would work, yeah. right? Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's a great um, way because a lot of people have those, you know, kind of home style NAS devices, and I, I think Docker is going to be if it's not already on QNAP as well, and some of the other kind of home style NASs, but yeah, Docker and Synology be good. That's where all your, all your storage is. Yeah, I wish Drobo supported it that, yeah. you know, I've got this Drobo network drive and, and they've got, they've made a lot of uh, headway on those, you know, since the change in ownership over there at Drobo, their apps have gotten infinitely better, but I still haven't seen Docker on Drobo yet. So that would, that would, and those, those CPUs aren't, 
great. They're okay. They're not great. So that may not be great. Synology definitely is one of those perfect boxes where it's a great combination of drives and memory and processor. Like they just do, they, they build really um, good box. Joe asks in the chat room, any chance of supporting something like exchange or open exchange on the email client? Um. I'm guessing that Open Exchange supports IMAP, and honestly, Exchange also supports IMAP-ish, uh, from what I understand. I don't know how compatible it is. Yeah, I found that an interesting point. I didn't know about that, and honestly, I mean, my mail client connects to my Gmail account via IMAP, as far as I know, and I sure as dirty words have more than 10K messages in some folders. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it it might be that you can work around that or, or not. Um, yeah. But then yeah. maybe at that point you need to set up a filter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do think from a from an average guy standpoint, or at least from the average tech guys that are listening to this show, really uh, what I'm hearing, it really, in, unless you're going to run your own Linux server, uh, maybe Mike, in your case, Unraid, that's a pretty easy easy-ish setup with Docker. You've you've done it. It's it's doable. Synology is another one of those boxes that would kind of work to get that in QNAP, I think, um, may do something along those lines as well. And then kind of l- let it rip. I- I'll be honest. I went out and looked at the website and looked through some of the documentation because I was going to install it before the show. And then I was I kind of dug into this and I was like, oh, this is a little more work <laughs> than I thought. It's just not. So a, you're not a Linux user because then it would not. have been download the tarball, yeah. go yeah. into the folder where you extracted it, type PHP minus S localhost colon 3000, <laughs> and then go to localhost colon 3000 in your browser. And what do you know? Log it's in, there. please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, right. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and you're right. I am not. And there are plenty. Listen, there's plenty of listeners who are like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. That is not because I'm a Windows home server guy and because I was an M- M- Windows MVP for a lot of years. I'm oh. pretty used to the the GUI and the, you know configuring it that way and making it work. Not and not a not no commentary on Linux or any of those other kinds of things. That's just the no, system. That's what you're used to. Yeah, yeah no, I get that. I get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but after this conversation, so a couple times I've started the unraid process right away. You know, I have a hundred terabytes here. And I was like, I should start the unraid process and use Docker and Mike just follow. I can always ping you for questions and you know, get something up and running because I am a little bit sold after hearing kind of the way you use it, Mike. I was like, all right, it's, well. It's a pretty cool and I think yeah. typical, although intensive use case. I think the average Excel user doesn't have 28 terabyte of storage, let alone 100. Yeah, right. I haven't dared to mention the small number that I have. It's under <laughs> 10. Yeah. Well, well no, you know, hey, no, no hold on, Mike. Mike one second. Yeah. No storage shame here. Hold on. Just like no right. storage Fair enough. shame. Fair enough. So I, okay. I do, I do yeah. actually have more than 10 terabytes yeah. in my computer, but I haven't set it up properly in terms of rate. I'm using ButterFS. And I planned to use like this RAID 5.6 that ButterFS had, which is extremely flexible. Like you can just mix one terabyte and three terabyte and six terabyte drives and just throw it all in and it'll make one storage out of there. And then you say, uh, I want to be able to have two random drives crash on me. And then ButterFS will just figure out how much storage that means you then actually have available, which is like, really awesome 
but there is still some uncertainty about whether it might eat your data in weird cases. And I do like my private pictures <laughs> and I have until now been too lazy to do a proper backup. Therefore, I haven't really had the balls, but you can migrate from what I'm using now, which is RAID 1. Uh, you can migrate to um, yeah, RAID 6 like easily. So I'm actually going to do that. I don't know, at some point yeah, <laughs> when I feel it's again? safe. ButterFS. Butter, okay. So Butter. it's it's uh, like a file system. It's like kind of the next-gen file system for Linux, uh, but it's been in development for a long time. And uh, so I'm, I'm using SUSE Linux or, well, OpenSUSE. And they they have this very nice habit where they essentially disable everything in ButterFS that they think is not safe. And because they do a lot of development work on it, I kind of trust their opinion on it. Therefore, as long as it's not enabled, I'm not going to use it. And when they enable it, I'm going to go all in. And I'm going to, yeah. So I have the drives in there. Huh? Yeah. I, I have a couple you of drives. To. I'm just, they're not <laughs> enabled yet. It's, well, it's in all fairness, we only, in our entire NextCloud instance, I think we only have 500 gigs used. And that's including all of our photos and everything. I was just saying, I love the fact that I, I'm unlimited, essentially, was my use sense because we're only using 500 now and that's all of our photos all of our documents so uh, that i'm never going to run out of space and if i do i buy a hard drive and i throw it in right and so exactly that's, that's my right love. that's the beauty of it yeah it costs nothing i mean nothing. i took my old desktop um and slapped in a few more hard drives and put it well initially behind my couch and later in the storage room and that's beautiful i underclocked it a little bit you know save some power and environment yeah, and Jim, yeah. I think I think it would be great for you, especially because your family is all in different ecosystems, right? You're not a purely at you're on Android, you're on Apple, you're on Windows. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your kids are all over the country, um, but you are the data guy, right? Yeah. You know how to back up the stuff, yeah. and you could keep them all centralized. You can share stuff amongst each other. It would be a great family. Um, yeah, system for you guys to live in. I started down that path. By the way, just a, just a quick update: the uh, the the Bundaberg rum has eaten through the glass. Just <laughs> <laughs> spilled all over the place. It's acid. Um, it's actually acid. Th that was you have to listen to the live pre-show if you want to know what we're talking about there. But um, Mike, I started down that path, but the maintenance, like for individual kids and the responsibility to back up their stuff and to have it available twenty four seven. And to make sure, like, when they're having trouble, they call me. Like, I did that for a couple of years, even when they were in the house. And I kind of made the decision. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be the backup dad. You know, I, I, I like, it's it's easier for, in some cases, because I messed it up a whole bunch of times. Like, and you're like, oh, hold on, it's down, you know, or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and I kind of just then started teaching them, like, come up with your own solution that you control, whatever that's. Whatever that's going to be, you 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 know iCloud, Google well, Drive. Um, for yeah, for some of them, for some, right? Or they their university provides it, or whatever. And to be honest, some of them that like my kids are millennials. They don't have as much data as you think they they have, they're going to have. And many of them are using Facebook as their storage. Right, all their pictures are on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, you kind of think like how are you going to get those pictures back? You know, and, and they're all, they don't think of it. No, no, they don't. And there is a data no. export function that at least gives you your pictures back. Right. Um, right. So, well, so, okay. So that being said though, it, Mike, it just has, it's been easier. I have five kids. 
So like, that's a lot of data and it's just been, it's been one of those kinds of things. I started down that path of being kind of the data dad. And then I was like, uh, life's a lot better if I'm not yeah. managing an infrastructure 24 seven. And anytime I want to make a change, like, Hey, I'm going to have to reboot the server. It would always be when they were doing stuff. And then the fatal blow was one time when I lost some data because I wasn't careful and I did something stupid and I lost data and I thought, okay, I don't know. I don't mind being responsible for my pictures and my stuff. I don't know if I want to be responsible for other people's stuff. So I just stopped kind of offering. And to be honest, they stopped kind of asking. And so we kind of left it at that. Now, that being said, I still have a lot of my own stuff and I'm super, you know, I'm thinking, okay, like, all right, this weekend, how am I going to, what am I going to do? How am I going to install this? What kind of what kind of infrastructure do I want to put in? Yeah, to be able that's to... literally what Raspberry Pi were invented for, right? Yeah, I know. Right but on. that was weekend. Yeah, so yeah. I, got, I got an extra one, Jim. Oh. You, can just, you can have the Raspberry Pi. And... I got nine PCs in the house. Like, yeah. I have enough equipment. <laughs> like, to, like I, I've got something I can put it on. It's just a matter of configuring it. It is a weekend of setup to get it, get things going, getting them set up, getting it configured, punching yeah. through the firewall, those kinds of things to kind of you know, yeah, making but those it, are fun weekends. So hey. they are. That's true. No, they are. They are. Yeah. Um, so as we think of the future at Next Cloud and stuff, you know, as you guys are looking forward, what what would you tell for for the folks that are listening? And you know, we've already mentioned Mike's on sixteen, seventeen is out. It looks like just came out pretty recently here. What what? what how would you get excited about the future at Next Cloud? What are you guys looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, I think Talk is is a good example, and also the integration that I mentioned. Um, we're we're building a collaboration platform and there's a lot more in that area that we can do. So we have an app called Deck, which is essentially a Kanban board, really beautiful for collaboration, planning tasks. You can assign people to the cards, stuff like that. And I think this, this will continue to be the direction that we take, that there's more um, things that you can put in, yeah, tools to plan a, plan a wedding and, and plan a family holiday day that, that you can assign people cards, you know, like, hey, pay the, pay the bill, etc. Um, there's already an app for like money planning. I mean, I think on, on one hand, we are going to keep working on this collaboration and, and, you know, doing stuff together, stuff and communication and integrating it all deeper. At the same time, our ecosystem is is really exploding. There are more than 200 apps for Nextcloud in our mm. app store. And there are password managers, you know, here the S, multiple. And uh, th there's just a crazy number of tools from external storages. Uh, you have like storage with Sia and, and, you know, you guys talked a little bit about that pre-show uh, with this blockchain storage. And there's all kinds of fancy stuff there. Um, authentication methods like there's two-factor authentications that come out of your nose you know like we have this really cool one that lets you authenticate a second factor with notification on your phone so well that's really nice i mean you might know that of course from google but like there are very few websites that offer something like that or you can get an email or you can get an sms or you can get and all that stuff is apps and there are continually people are releasing new apps and new stuff from really simple things like, I don't know, show more information about a download to people who are building completely new tools and stuff. And that's that's going to continue, I'm pretty sure, right? So what is it going to be? God, I don't know. It really also depends a lot on what people are going to 
do and what they want to do. And it's, well, yeah, world is their oyster. <laughs> so uh, we're big in the WordPress community, of course, because of podcasting and WordPress go together like peanut butter and jelly mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. When you talk about, you know, um, uh, Nextcloud lives kind of in an open source community and there's you're talking about a lot of plugins and stuff that are kind of open source. How are you guys kind of checking what people are creating against it? So, you know, the plugin community in WordPress is a nightmare. Are what what's kind of partnerships do you guys have or what are you doing to kind of make sure those plugin communities, those open communities that are building on top of what you're doing are kind of staying in line, so to speak? Yeah, I I mean, first of all, of course, we're we're a bit younger. A bit smaller still than WordPress. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we'll overtake them, but it'll take <laughs> well, good, a few more good. years. Yeah, they I only think. run they only run a third of the web. You know, yeah, so. exactly right. I mean, how hard can it be? Come yeah. on, there are yeah, yeah. seven billion people on planet Earth. I right. mean, we have this Nextcloud global scale that, as the yeah. name suggests, we right. get there. In the meantime, in the meantime, so to get an app in the App Store, you have to upload your private key. Uh, sorry, you have to upload your private key and interact a little bit with us. Now, that's not a whole lot of interaction, but it's not that anyone can just make an account and have upload something. Um, and we keep a bit of an eye on it. We don't have anywhere near the resources to really monitor everything, but we do run a security bug bounty program where you can earn 10K. We put our money where our mouth is. We think we're very good at security, prove us wrong, please, you'll get up to 10K for that. And this formally doesn't cover the apps because that is completely impossible and insane. And we will be bankrupt, I think, very quickly because, you know, how, well, Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, there's a business model, yeah? You write an app, you put a big security bug in it, and then you let a friend of you report it via the bug bounty program. So this wouldn't work. But um, people do reports bugs also in the apps and, and a lot of people do go and check out the apps kind of i guess triggered by the bug bounty program so we get quite a bit actually in via there and then we talk to the app authors and uh when they don't take action we do yeah so there there's not a whole lot that we do preemptively also in part because we've put in quite a bit of effort to make our framework really secure and actually make it hard to write insecure apps and you get warnings and actually like a lot of stuff just gets blocked. Like when you upload an app to our app store, there's a static code checker that will just check if you don't use private APIs and other stuff, and it'll give warnings and block stuff, etc. So th- th- there's a fair bit of stuff in place. At the same time, yeah, we don't have the resources of Apple and Google. We don't review it that way. So some common sense and caution is certainly in place when you when you check out the apps. Well, and the community itself would lend itself to more uh, tech um, smart people, I would think anyways. And so it's just not an, probably not the environment where you're just going to have people clicking <laughs> and downloading these things. No, um, of course, and, it's not as yeah. easy as it is right. to install an app right. on an iPhone. At yeah. the same time, of course, we want to lower the barrier. And, yeah. and we've been scarily successful perhaps in some ways with that. I mean, I estimate there are about 250 to 300,000 Nextcloud servers on the web and those can't all be professional sysadmins. So, you know, there are quite some people out there that run a Nextcloud that, that run, you know, that aren't super professional with it. And a lot of people use really a lot of apps. Um, I mean, I, 
we actually heard at one point from somebody who had who claimed to have over 150 apps installed, which I think is like that can barely be true. Um, but he claimed that like he was running it for friends and family, and you know, he said they really used all of them. So, well, who am I to argue with that? There point? you go. I'll give I'll give my two favorite real quick. If you're if you're yeah. just starting out, Calabra we already talked about. It's pretty much uh it's like Google Docs, um, but in Nextcloud private. You can all do it. So Jim, if you had it installed, we could replace our Google Docs with that, and we could both be typing in there. Same thing. Um, and then Draw.io. You've probably everyone here who's probably done any sort of um, network right. Uh, what's it called? Uh, documentation essentially right you're graphically laying out schematics of your network draw.io you've probably used it it's built in when you install the app you just create a new document and draw.io is one of them and you can just start so that's how i've now done the schematic of all my networks and it has all the draw features and everything you would need in there and it works really really well so draw.io and collabor are my two the old, actually really the only two external um apps that i run and draw is a Visio replacement. Is that right? Essentially, yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's I should have said no. that from the beginning. Everyone knows Visio, yeah. and it's a Visio replacement. Yeah. Yeah. No. Super cool. Um, Yas, anything else? Uh, I want to be respective of your time. You've stayed oh, you, awake. You want all to go night. over the two hundred apps? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, but any, as we think of, if you were gonna, you know, one final shot to our community to, you know, say, hey, give this thing a try. What what, what would you say to our community? Yeah, look, it's open source. So I wouldn't just say give it a try, but look at, well, you can make a difference very easily. Yeah, if, if there's something you don't like, go ahead and change it. If there's something you think you can do better, build an app. Yeah, I mean, and these apps do then sometimes become part of Nextcloud. Like we had a guy who built a right-click app so that you could actually right-click in the web interface, which is something we hadn't enabled because, you know, most people, like, don't have, like, a finger that is special enough that your phone can see right-click, and our designer wasn't a big fan of that. And so this, this contributor came up with the idea. He said, look, you know, but there's this three-dot menu. So what if right-click just always gives you the same? So you're not doing anything special, and come on, you can't argue against a right-click in that case. The designer was like, yeah, that's actually good. And, yeah. you know, this app is now part of Nextcloud itself. And I think that's beautiful. And I'd like to see more of that. So yeah. please. And fix I didn't realize stuff. I had it on and I just tested it. I'm like, that's beautiful. I didn't, yeah, I know. <laughs> I didn't know that worked. Yeah. That's, I just learned something new. There we go. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's amazing. But yeah. besides nextcloud.com, would be there any, are there any community sites if people want to get involved? The best place to go to, kind of join the community? Where, where, is, it, is it in a Reddit community? Is it on Discord? Where's the best place uh, for so folks there, to So there's involved? Reddit, uh, but we have a very active community on help.nextcloud.com. It's, it's just our, uh, community forums, essentially, and, and a lot of people are hanging out there. I try to keep Twitter alive very well as well, but people are also on Mastodon. Um, while I'm plugging that, there's an app for that, of course, in Nextcloud. <laughs> How could that not be? Right. It's called Social because, you know, we all have to be social and all that. Um, th there's a Reddit community, which is reasonably active. I think actually our, our file system, like that the, the developer um, is one of the most active people there. Uh, there is a bit of IRC, but we used to use that internally in the company as well. And that makes it then easy to hang out on IRC. 
But then this next lot talk thing came and we're the kind of people who try to eat their own dog food and therefore now everybody is on the internal talk channel. And we haven't yet made like a bridge to IRC. I think if you've seen the ex Cassidy comics, you know that everything has to bridge to IRC because 500 years from now, there will still be this one guy that refuses to move over to whatever else it is, but uses the bridge. So we haven't done that yet. Um, but when we do, obviously, we will be and on IRC and on talk, and you will be able to join us for your public talk channels. Nice. We're working on that. Nice. Nice. Jos, thank you for, again, thanks for staying up for us. You are, you're an honorary uh, home gadget geeks, uh, home server show, Reset FM community member now. You have to, now that you've been on the show, cool. you fit in really, really well with us, by the way. That's We've, nice to hear. I mean, yeah, it yeah. was an absolute pleasure to be here, yeah, guys, yeah. and we'll, geek out a little bit with you all. Oh yeah. If we uh, if we ask you in six or seven or eight months to come back, would you would you say yes? Would you join us again? I'd love to. I okay. hereby promise. Nice. Uh, seriously. I'm, nice. Yeah. Call me in if you want every release. We do them every four Ooh. months. Oh. We could talk about what's new. Yeah. That might be that might be interesting. Why don't you ping that me as you get close to the next one? The next Five, one is in four. January. So just okay. think yeah. end of January sometime would yeah. work. Yeah, that could work, and, and cool. we'll do it. We'll do a quick update on that as well. And so, we'll let you get to bed. And uh, fortunately, since you telecommute or since I you sleep, you're a remote worker, you can uh, yes. sleep in a little bit. And we appreciate your time. And we'll let you go. Thanks for jumping in, and appreciate it. Have a great, have a great morning. And uh, and thanks for Thank coming you. on. I appreciate it. You, you guys bet. have a good day, evening, night, sleep too, etc. You bet. Uh, we've got hours of podcasting to go. So, <laughs> all right, have fun then. Yes. Bye. Yes. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Or I should say a great morning for you. <laughs> you can just close your browser and it'll drop you out of here for us. Um, uh, what do you think, Mike? I Like I said, it was it was fun talking to him because I've been such a fanboy of NextCloud for a while. And trying to get the, the inside scoop there. And especially, I thought it was really interesting that first you know, 10 minutes where he was really getting into the data privacy side and kind of the theories behind that and why people choose to go one way or the other. I think he was totally right. When I was thinking about this, it's it's convenience, right? People go with iCloud, people yeah. go with yeah. Dropbox, people go with Microsoft because it's so convenient. Um, and I think as they start to get better about making this just completely easy to install everywhere, it's, I love it. But then again, I'm a data security just kind of nut about this, right? Like I want to control everything I'm willing to put in the work because I really enjoy it. Like tweaking with this stuff is so much fun for me that uh, that I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was great. And, I, and Tony just said in the chat, so they have a Slack equivalent. That's what I was thinking of as well as he was describing the talk yeah. feature. And I'll admit, I've with without running full linux it's a little bit complicated in docker to get talk set up i tried it in the past and really i i gave it like I, a lunch hour i had a lunch hour that was just yeah. like oh maybe it maybe it's super easy one click install it's not you need to install like a turn server and things like that so it, it's not super easy unless you're running full linux but essentially yes that's what they have and i did get it up and running a little bit and i mean it is it's facetime quality and it's peer to peer and it's super simple uh, to get running. And I didn't know, I love the fact that now there's almost a collaborative text file going along with it because that could be really useful for meetings, especially if you're, if your company was set up on this, you know, how easy is that? 
right? Everyone's looking at, I mean, there's really no easy solution. There are a few, um, but for the enterprise level where it's all just integrated in one. So if this was your file sharing, if this was your contacts, if this was your counter, if your company centralized on this and then using the talk feature, it'd be really convenient. Mm. Um, I've gone on record on this podcast of saying, hey, we both wore red today. That we was quite <laughs> a bunch of stooges. Um, I've gone on record as saying I need a Raspberry Pi like I need a hole in my head. Um, a couple of years ago when it first came out, you know, everyone's like, you're going to do a Raspberry Pi. And we even thought John Zadler and I even thought we'd do a Raspberry Pi show. We never, it never worked out. And, you know, I've, I've made that statement. But, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, that would be a great way. That would be a um, great use case for it. Yeah. And you can map your Drobo right, storage over right. to it. So that could yeah. be the storage and then just yeah. the, the Pi as a server. I'd, I'd even put the Pi. I moved I moved the Drobo this week. It's just right over here right now behind me. And uh, that it would sit nicely right on top and just be be, be good. So that may be uh, – Yost maybe talked me into picking up a Raspberry Pi because it would be – Again, I got a bunch of PCs, but I don't know if I want to drop. I don't know if I want to make a full Linux server at any of them. No, and, and Raspberry Pi is the easiest way to do it. Yeah. You just, you know, yeah. put the light version of DB right. on it. and go. Right, right. No. All right. I'll have to think about that uh, in the process. And uh, anything else you'd add? I got a little review we're going to do pretty quick here. Oh, uh, anything else you'd add, Mike, before mm -hmm. I, I No, I think in. we covered it all. A couple reminders. You guys have been bugging me about a meetup. Like, Forever. So I'm here announcing our first home certain home. So I almost said home server show. <laughs> our first home gadget geeks meetup, London, December 1st, 2019. If you're going to be in London in the area, I talked about this on the show a while back. I'm just joking with Tony too on that. I will be <clears throat> just a reminder. That's all true. I will be in London December 1st and would love if you're in the London area, I'd even train out to you if necessary, whatever. I'd uh, love to get together, enjoy a few brews, maybe even a cigar, and uh, I'd love to get together with you. So December 1st, the first home server, home gadget geeks. I've said home server show meetup for too many years, too many years. Home gadget geeks meetup, London, December 1st, not really the first one, but love to meet with you in December. Mike, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, that I got this dual drive oh, yeah. dock, uh, the company uh, called Awesome, spelled A-L-X-U-M. They pronounce it just awesome. Uh, actually, they have two brands. Uh, Weemi uh, is another brand that they fall under. If you go to ALXUM.com, you can see these. They're available on Amazon as well. They reached out to me and said, hey, we're doing these these drive docks and uh, would you review one? And I thought, yeah, what the heck? I've been buying a bunch of these because I've been using them in the crypto world um, to put drives in. In fact, I still have a four bay drive that's running a bunch of three and four terabyte drives uh, for burst and, and such. And so I thought, yeah, I'd give it a try. Mike, you mentioned you've got one. I think that's very, very close to it. Yep. The Let me give you the quick specs on this thing just really quick as we do it. Again, it's a uh, USB three. It's aluminum hard drive, so nice, nice hard cover. The ones I've been buying at uh, Best Buy, a little plasticky. You know, you kind of get them plastic. Yeah, this one feels like if it fell off the desk, it might survive it. Actually, yeah, it, it would. You could actually step on it or put a monitor on top of it as well. I mean, yeah. it's um, they're pretty sturdy. Standard two bay drive, right? Three and a half, a uh, two and a half inch drives go in there. But I love it's, how it has the slot for also a two and a half. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. So throw an SSD in there, it also works. It just slides right in that small slot. No, right on, yeah. uh, right, right in the, uh, right in the small slot here. Yeah. One of the cool things, uh, in, and I don't, I, I didn't do this a lot, but offline cloning, right? So you don't even have to have it needed connected to a PC to be able to clone off of it. This one's got an LED indicator on the front that tells you how far. So it's got a 25, 50, 75, and 100. It will take drives all the way up to 12 terabytes. Um, in here. So if you've got those, if you've been buying those large drives and you want to do it that way, sleep mode within 30 minutes. So if you're not, when you stop using it, it just automatically shuts itself uh, off in the process. Um, I loaded some disks up in it. I showed them again right here. I got a one terabyte and a 750 that I had available uh, that, that I threw in there and ran it up and pushed a little burst, some, some burst um, plots to it, uh, move some data around. Works great. And, and so I, again, these are these have been really handy for me. I actually have three of these, which is I, I never thought I've got a one bay. I've got a two bay. To, although to be honest with you, the two bay died after about after about I don't know six or seven months. One of the ones that the one of the cheap plastic ones I bought at Best Buy, it's sitting in my recycle box. And then I got a four bay uh, that I'm using as well. And so this will be a nice replacement for the two bay um, that's in here again. Awesome, A-L-X-U-M.com, if you want to check those out, available on Android as well. I'll have a special link in this show, so HGG420. I'll have a link from them if you want to think about purchasing or buying it. Just a good standard. Price will depend. Go ahead and look it up when you go take a peek at it. But uh, appreciate them sending it out. It's actually going to replace the Tubey that I... And, that I broke. And you'll be a good user. You should give us a report in six or seven months because with Burst, you hit those all the time, all day, 24-7. So you're a pretty good stress test user for that kind of unit. So you yeah. have to tell us in a few months you know, how well it's holding up. No, they run and they get hot. Yeah. These drives, in fact, the four bay, the drives get so hot, I have an extra fan that sits on the outside just to keep those drives cool because they run so much. So you're right. That'll be one of those things that... But already it feels a little more solid than some of yeah. the, the other ones that I have bought uh, to get that done. ALXUM, thanks for sending those out. And like Mike, like you said, we'll do some, we'll test it over the next couple months. I just gave it a quick week-long test um, to see how it does in the long run with Burst. Um, Mike, we've come to the end of another week. We have. Yeah. Anything, any, any tech you're working on or anything new on your side of things? Oh, Storage A, or storage. I, why do I still, Jim, I still stay That's how we know it. That's, That's how, how we know it, know it right? It's so funny, I, I'm going to yeah. keep saying storage A. Storage, yeah, storage yeah. A. Uh, yeah, that has been a fun little project. And so Unraid has a, in the community applications, has a store storage um, Docker. So it has the image in there. Super easy. You're up and running. Takes no time at all. I did the, uh, there's some terminal stuff you have to do. I did it on a separate machine. It's a little bit easier. You have to essentially get a node set up. So they send you a unique key. You have to generate, essentially you're doing like a, almost like a blockchain style generating a, a key. And so you have to get up to 30 level difficulty. So the more power you have on that computer. So I did it on my Mac. It took 10 seconds. Um, then you sign it with your unique key that they email you. So you have to wait a few days. So if you're going to do this, go right now to storage.com and sign up. Um, it says they're in beta, but you'll get your key within probably two days, maybe even sooner. Um, just be ready though. Cause if you kind of let this thing run wild and, and they are pretty good in the Docker container about being able to limit it, you tell it the storage that you're going to give it. Um, so I set up my, in Unraid, I just set up a new share for storage. And then I, in the app, it tells you, you know, 
point me to where you want me to store the stuff and how much do you want to give it to me? What's your bandwidth allocation? And I let it kind of run wild. And I, I will say there are some unique things here. If you're running it on Unraid with Docker, typically the default is to give it 10 seconds. When you tell it to stop, it'll give it 10 seconds before it kills the app. Well, storage takes a lot longer than that. And then you end up with corrupt databases. So, mm. and there's a lot of terminal stuff you have to do to get those restored. I've had to do it twice now because I forgot to manually, because you can manually, it takes two seconds to manually stop it with a 300 second stopper. And uh, I just keep forgetting. So I ran an Unraid update and obviously that killed everything. And then I rebooted one time that killed it on its own. So I've had to rebuild the databases twice, which now the way storage runs, it actually does a lot of uptime checking, but it has a great dashboard now, a web dashboard for your usage. Um, so I can go in and see, I'll, I'll, I'll actually just real quick. We have two seconds here. I'll just show it um, and how it looks for the dashboard. Just cause it's kind of neat. This is, this is the new thing they just released this month. Maybe last month. Might be good to come over to the YouTube channel and check out this part. You can share your screen, and I'll, I'll bring it up full screen here for us if you want. Yeah. Good way to do that. I will do that. Okay, so can you guys see it now? Nope, not yet. Uh, share it with me. Share it into the share it into the video here so I can see it. Oh, you know what? Yeah, share screen it's now. telling me that my share screen is blocked for some reason. Ah, bummer. Well, um, this is, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show, storage might be the one that gets through all the, the cruft of uh, blockchain and crypto. And so I keep in my eye on it. I'm just afraid with my one terabyte limit that I'm, I'm going to blow through that pretty quick. So when you said, yeah, it's kind of chatty, I was like, mm, okay, probably not, uh, probably not time for me to do it just as a quick update on the other side of things, bur on the burst side of things, you know, there are now a bunch of burst derivatives burst and boom and LHD and HDD and BHD. And those are all burst equivalents. And uh, I've been working with Ken on some of those and staying close to those. They all use the same plots that we did on bursts. Well, sort of, sort of. And uh, it's been fun. Been fun to keep up. There's a lot of things still going on there. So that's still rolling. I'm not sure I'd go out and buy any additional hard drives today, but man, that was sure a lot of fun to yeah. get that done in those days. And so, no, we won't do any crypto in the post show. We did a lot, we did some updating last week. The crypto markets kind of dropped out a little bit. And so we're at 773, 75, I think, somewhere in the sevens um, at this point. So it continues to roll. And uh, if you want to, if you want to have a conversation about it, or you got any questions around it, you can send me an email, Jim at the average guy TV. We want to say anything else you want to add? Well, Thanks. I was just going to say one final thing on storage. Yeah. If you want to know what they're up to, go to their YouTube channel. They just had their Q3 town hall. Great. And the question and answer at the end, actually, you could probably skip the announcements. Go to the question and answer because people ask the real good questions yeah. and you can go watch that and get all the updates. They're really pro about it. They are. They're yeah. very pro. They have a yeah. game plan. Yeah. They address questions. They're very transparent. Um, I, I really enjoy it, what they're doing on. Over did we mention on the show they're partnering or they, they're doing some work with Nextcloud? Yeah, Is they that, are. They're, did they're, we say that? They're partnering with a lot of uh, places like Nextcloud. I think Synology is actually another one they're partnering with. So companies like that, that you could end up using them as the back end for something like a Nextcloud. So, right. Yeah. And it's all secure and uh, it's secure client side with storage. So, you know that your stuff is going to be securely stored and the speed, really the big updates from storage was the speed and the reliability. I think they're giving four or five nines of reliability now um, on their stuff. So they're really trying to rival 
Amazon AWS, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes, yeah. but I love being a node, and they go public, I think in December is when their new public, open it up to everyone, mm. goes live. I think they got a shot at something. We'll see. We'll have to see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Don't forget, we want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com's, no, theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. We'll get you there if you want to support us. Uh, $5 plans available if you want to jump in. We even have a month long. If you want to support you or your business, wants to support the live stream. And that means you'll get mentioned on the show every week. There'll be some branding on the live stream a bit as well. 100 bucks a month uh, gets you four of the shows that we do in a month. And uh, if you want to support, you can do that on Patreon. You can do it for one month or you can do it for multiple months. So if you want to jump in and get that done, you can check that out. TheAverageGuy.tv slash Patreon. I mentioned uh, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord if you want to join that group. It hasn't been joined in a while, but if you want to do that, you can. And then the TheAverageGuy.tv slash Facebook. Again, I haven't had a new person in there in a while, but the community continues to roll on and some great conversations if you want to join us that way. If you want to send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv gets that done. If uh, we, not if, we do want to thank Christian and the TheAverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting for people that you know and you trust. Just tonight, as I was logging in to update for the show, I noticed my SSL certificate had gone in for the first time in five years, and Christian had, had gone, um, what's the word, uh, expired. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and I pinged Christian, and I was like, hey, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm working on it. I forgot to commit something. It's done. Boom. It, like, that's how great it is uh, from, a, from a hosting perspective. And so um, if you want to know, plans start at $10, and uh, visit maplegrovepartners.com. We thank Christian for support. We do, we're trying for a Cyber Frontiers next week. So we're hoping to get that one in as well. And then don't forget, you can download the app, homegadgetgeeks.com. And I have a whole bunch of new coupons on, on for HelloFresh. So if you want to jump into that, I gave a couple away the other day. So folks are trying it out. We are still doing it, Mike. Just dynamite. It yep, just, totally agree. It's just, I've got a bag in the, in the fridge right now. That'll be tomorrow night. Just dinner's taken care of. Send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv, if you want to try it out free for a week. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at TheAverageGuy.tv Live. We'll stay around for a little bit of post-show. With that, we'll say goodbye,